Are you tired of the cookie cutter approach to education that's stuck in the last century? Are you seeking a win-win situation where your family thrives, your kid's education is revolutionary, and you still get to chase your own dreams? Welcome to Unschooled Unleashed. Unlock your child's genius. I'm your host, Matthew Jarecki, an unapologetic rebel dad and promoter of what many consider to be educational anarchy. You know the world isn't going to be won by those that just toe the line. It's the innovators, the visionaries, and the resilient spirits that are going to thrive. Our mission here is to forge those world changers within our very homes with less stress, energy, and time. Unschooled, Unleashed starts now. Welcome to another episode of Unschooled Unleashed. I'm your host, Matthew Jarecki. Boy, oh boy, this episode has been uh, difficult to get out. I really struggled with getting it out. It's the day before it's going to come out. Uh, We've just got a lot going on in this family. I know it's September and normally this is the busyness of back to school, but we don't have that back to school stuff really going on. Uh, What we do have going on is a brand new puppy that we just named Tootsie Roll. She's a little 14-week-old dachshund. So pretty fun, but it's destroyed our sleep schedule. We have family in town from uh, Hawaii. My, My sister's in town from Hawaii. So she doesn't make it over this way very often. So we've spent a lot of time with her. I also had friends get back from Germany and was able to catch up with them. We had a cookout. We are tossing around some ideas with the direction of uh, our careers and where we want to go with that. So it's just been a lot of new stuff coming at us that has thrown us out of our routine. And I got to be honest, lack of sleep does not help. Now, I'm not making excuses because I could have done this at any other point in time. But, you know, we're still learning life's lessons. You know, here I said at 43 years old, still trying to learn how to manage my time effectively. But isn't that the human journey? I mean, it's just stuff that I wish I would have learned how to do when I was a kid that hopefully our kids will have learned how to do. But I got to be honest, I don't really regret it too much. I usually take Sundays off as somewhat of a Sabbath where I just kind of sit around and do whatever I'm feeling called to do, try and do stuff that brings me energy, spend time with the family, maybe watch some football now. I'm sure some of you can relate. Uh, And geez, for those of you who are going back into the school routine who haven't yet started this journey, uh, hats off to you. (laughs) I can't imagine, especially with what's been going on in our family. But anyways... Today we're going to be diving into something I've coined as intentional unschooling, and it's really my philosophy for unschooling, where we combine uh, both a hands-on and a hands-off approach to education. And I think this is going to provide a more balanced, uh, effective homeschooling strategy, and it fulfills the responsibility I feel for preparing my kids for the future. So today we're going to define it out first, And then we're going to dive into some strategy using the three pillars of intentional unschooling. And we'll talk about that. So with that, let's dive in. So what is intentional unschooling? This is where we're going to define it out. Intentional unschooling goes beyond standard unschooling by incorporating a mix of self-directed learning and structured support to foster holistic development. It's a different strategy to unschool. It's really just another way. Now, let's compare conventional unschooling to intentional unschooling. So here's how they differ. Unschooling 
the lever to back off and allow kids to make their own choices about what they're learning is pulled all the way back to a 10 out of 10 level. And with intentional unschooling, it differs in there's not just one lever, but two levers. So it still has the back off on a 10 out of 10 level and let the child choose what they want to learn. But it also provides the other lever, which is we're pulling back all the way to a 10 out of 10, and that's parental support. And I think both of those combined are going to be more beneficial than just completely allowing them to wander. Now, I'm, <laughs> I got to be honest, I was really pulled towards radical unschooling, but I couldn't reconcile the Bible verse Proverbs 22, 6 and do radical unschooling. And Proverbs, Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way that he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And really what I think that states is that parents have a major role in preparing their children for future success, not just spiritually, but really for future success in life. I believe it sets up the parents for the future role they'll play with their children, you know, past when they're in our house. So they've left our house. We're, we're going to be more of a guide and a resource for children and not be the authoritarians or the top-down instruction people. I, I hope that it creates free thinkers. In fact, I think it is likely to do that. And hopefully we're able to avoid some of those rebellious years because they are able to make their own decisions and there's really nothing to rebel against. So intentional unschooling has two cornerstones when you boil it down. The first cornerstone, as we've lightly touched on, is backing off. It's the power of self-directed and interest-based learning. So we're going to back off like we're doing radical unschooling and let them make, make their own decisions on what they want to learn. I'm going to do that in a 10 out of 10 level. They are the directors of their own ship. They're going to feel that weight. We're going to let uh, the child make their own decisions within that educational journey to foster creativity, critical thinking, adaptability, those types of things. Backing off is also allowing for self-directed interest-based learning without a mandatory curriculum. We're not going to force them to do anything. I think they're going to learn faster because, because of it because it's going to require less energy and more or less energy and less time so it's more efficient and it's less stress for the parents and the children because you really don't have to force them to do anything you're not making them hate learning and they're diving into things that they're already interested in so it's basically the main principle of unschooling it allows children to fall in love with learning and this is where i think they are able to build their genius that's lever one. Lever two is that parental support. Again, we're going to do this on a 10 out of 10 level, but we're going to be proactive about it. I think effective homeschooling requires equipping children with the right tools, values, and connections for the road ahead. So I embrace the philosophy uh, of intentional unschooling by providing this parental support to give my children what I believe are values, principles, and strategies that are going to prepare them for the future and really a, a, a better life including providing structures, tools, exposure, experiences, encouragement, uh, connections to opportunities like apprenticeships and courses, stuff like that. I really do believe that this is going to allow my children to be set up for future success. But we really do have to back off and allow them to make the decisions as hard as that is, but then support them in their educational journey because they can't do it on their own. So in summary, the cornerstones of intentional and schooling allow for blending unschooling with parental responsibility to guide our children, not force, in their educational journey. Next, we're going to talk about 
the three pillars, what I've coined the three pillars of intentional in-schooling. The first pillar is holistic education. So beyond academics, we're going to cover things within the, anything that's going on in their life, like maybe emotional intelligence. Of course, we're going to get reading, writing, math, but we might do nutrition, finances, physical education. I mean, the list goes on, spirituality, uh, social skills, other life essential topics. I, I think in a holistic education, we're also going to build meta skills. And when I say meta skills, I mean, these are skills that are can be applied to not just one category of life, but many categories of life or many different disciplines, uh, especially skills for the future workforce where AI is going to be combined with the gig economy or entrepreneurship. We're going to need those meta skills because that's where we're going to build on. Uh, because there's really like, you know, you learned coding, but maybe coding isn't available there in the future because AI does it all. But you learned some uh, meta skill where it might be life skills acquisition, uh, like finances, how to manage time, that, you know, that kind of stuff. Adaptability is another one. Ability to teach yourself, nurturing creativity, social skill development, knowing you know, self-knowledge, knowing about yourself, when you want to wake up, how much sleep you need when you go to bed best, uh, like when you're tired, to set yourself up for success in the future, how you learn best, all those different things. I think those are all meta skills that are very important. And that's part of the holistic education. Also, just topics they're interested in. This is where the genius is built and they forge their own unique path. I think it's incredibly important to allow that for space for that. I think that's where we've often gone wrong in schooling is we suck up all their time with quote unquote learning but they're just putting stuff in front of them, forcing them to learn, and it doesn't allow for time to cre create that uh, genius where they can dive into something that they're just interested in. Maybe someone else isn't, but they are. Also, we're going to take life as it comes and really focus where the teachable moments are. And this is part of that intentional part of intentional and schooling where we're going to move at life's pace and take life as it comes, where circumstances create a time when their ears are wide open and they want to hear what you have to say. Allowing for the space to be able to do that, I think is incredibly important. And this is where I think we, we as humans really do learn. You know, the teacher will appear at the right time. And I think allowing for those opportunities and not being so rushed all the time, allowing yourself to be that teacher, giving yourself that space, I think is incredibly important for our children. I know in uh, my personal journey with this holistic education for my children and, and myself really, is I never really learned about myself. Now I did to a point, but there was so much more. Now my kids are five, eight, and nine. So what we're focusing on right now is creating a consistent bedtime and wake up time. Now it's always a challenge, always a challenge. But we, we try and give them that framework. We, in addition, we, we don't set these rigid, we don't make everything so rigid. So even if they are in bed, we allow them to stay up as late as they like. And they can bring books, they can bring uh, writing utensils, scrap paper, all that stuff. They can stay up as late as they want doing whatever they want. And then they can wake up as early as they want doing whatever they want as long as it's quiet. Uh, this allows them not only to know how much sleep they need when their bedtime works best, but it also creates uh, space for some quiet time where they 
are able to read those books and they find out what they enjoy or maybe they want to use their creativity to write stuff and that's what some some of my kids have done uh they've really experimented all of them with that type of stuff so now they love to they learn to love reading and writing and drawing and you know leaping through an encyclopedia and learning some stuff i just think it's a really valuable valuable way to do it and that's that structure that we're providing that's an intentional in schooling it allows for uh, a more holistic approach and that's what our goal is we also get them involved in uh, homeschool co-ops and that allows for socialization with other children's not just one age though which is very valuable it also gives them time with adults and they get a lot of time with adults being uh, homeschoolers as well we we allow them to use apps that teach them math we we personally use space pigs to learn multiplication but we also do it in other different ways like just sitting around at the dinner table going over math equations and making a kind of a competition and showing off a little bit it's just a lot of fun it's just like oh you do know your nines and then we'll go into that and it's a lot of fun seeing them really get into it uh, we, we sometimes we'll take and again this I'm, I'm focusing in on the structural support at this point but we take an hour during the day uh, we get in these seasons where we we have the time during the day where we just are quiet for about an hour and everyone works on whatever they want as long as it's quiet sometimes we do some math equations or we uh, that's where they may take the opportunity to be more creative and I just think that's that's something very valuable creating those spaces allows them to find new parts of themselves also they like to watch TV sometimes so we'll put on an educational show when we might not have screens on normally and they can learn stuff through audiovisual and I think that's a great way to learn I mean it really that's how we're learning as adults isn't it we're not pulling out a textbook anymore we're YouTubing stuff so I'm not gonna fight it although I think there's value going to going to a textbook I think that this is uh, as long as they are understanding things and building up uh, a library to, in which to draw and I think that's setting them up for future success like if they're gonna learn about dinosaurs I don't think that's wrong to learn about dinosaurs like that uh, I don't get too attached to uh, timelines because of the unschooling aspect of this but obviously there's things that we want to encourage them to learn for example, I want them to uh, learn their finances. So we take opportunities to spend money and uh, writing and reading. You know, obviously there's a lot of pressure on kids to learn that stuff, but I've tried not to get too attached to it. But it is difficult to uh, watch them not do something that you think they really know how to do. But we're going to step back as a guide and just point them in the right direction. We also strategically use screens. No screens in the morning. They play. It builds creativity. That's, that's what the uh, research says out there. We do allow them, like I said, afternoon, in the afternoon sometime, maybe watching a science show or something else. Sometimes they even just get on the computer and they're you know, doing their coding or something like that. Maybe learn how to type, learning how to type, those types of things. I think relationships are part of that holistic education, learning how to talk to someone. Uh, so we spend some time in the morning, especially recently, I put it first thing in my morning, where I'm going to spend time with my wife and independently my children, usually after my workout. 
uh, with my wife, I focus on building a relationship with her by going for a walk with her. And then I go out and play catch with my kids, maybe Frisbee or football, something like that. I try and put that in the, my, the first part of my day. It is a challenge sometimes when you're busy, but I do think it's important to work on the relationships. And it really establishes, establishes me if we're talking during this time. As a guide and that top-down authority just creates that space for talking. And I think that's part of learning how the world works because in the future, that's what I want to be. So in summary, I believe parents should take responsibility to provide opportunities to learn in all life essential topics and take advantage of teachable moments when they appear and guide them to success in all areas of life as best we can. And uh, in all areas that we, we think, again, are important for life. So I don't exclude anything, and that's where you, the parent, gets to make that decision. But I think it is. Uh, I think it's. I think it's very important to focus in on those. The next pillar of intentional in schooling is enabling early safe learning. It's enabling early and safe learning. Parent and children should understand their strengths and interests as early as possible to set them up for success. That's one way to do it. We want them to know their self as early as possible because that's going to pay dividends as time goes on, right? If you know how much sleep you need, boom, now that's going to definitely help you out. And with a 10 out of 10 parental support, we can guide them while their ears are open, those teachable moments. We can allow them to fail and learn from the failure and test the, by testing their own strategies because their strategies might not work. I always say to my kids, there's two ways you can learn a lesson. Uh, one, that's the easy way. That's learning from others. That's me or someone else you trust that you think is wise. Or you can learn the hard way, which is trying to do something on your own, seeing the consequences of that decision, and then adjusting. This isn't the fun way, but sometime it is, sometimes it is the way it needs to be done because no one's ever tried that. But it is also the, very, the hard way because some life, some of life's life's lessons are very hard, and you can learn from others and avoid some of those pitfalls. So we focus quite a bit on that. I do think that allowing your children to make mistakes early is the safest way to do it, because failing in a parent's household is safer than when you're an, an adult. And the goal is to allow that lesson to be learned with the least amount of pain. And I think that only, not only, I think that the least amount of pain, that pain threshold, which allows the child or anyone really to say, I'll never do that again, like I'm learning my lesson. I think that threshold is much lower when you're a child as opposed to when you're an adult. <laughs> and I can give a lot of examples. In fact, let's jump into some of the ones that uh, I, I'm trying to teach to my kids currently and why I'm trying to teach them that. So financially, we're teaching lessons to our kids. We provide a structure to them as far as giving, saving, and spending. We're very basic at this point. We believe that the first 10% of your money should go to giving, we call that a tithe. And the rest of the money is split 50-50, 50% to savings, and then the other 50% to spending. I think this 50-50 uh, approach, it's very intentional, and, and you'll see why here in a second, because what we do next is we 
allow the kids once a week, we, are, we allow them to go to the store and they have the option to buy something. And they just kind of tag along with us. And normally they'll say, hey, I want to go to the store. Can we, because I want to buy some candy. So we allow them to do that. Now, here's where the lesson is taught because I, I see them spending all their money on candy and I know they want a video game. They keep on saying, I want to save up for this video game. Now, the saving money is for emergencies and other stuff that we're going to be allocating towards like maybe college or something like that. The spending is where you can save up for something as well and with the intent to spend that money. If they choose to spend it all on candy, they won't have money for their video games, okay? And that's why we do it 50-50 because as they go in and spend their money, they have now something, another jar of money that says, if you didn't spend this money on candy, you would have this much money. And that's a great lesson to learn because oftentimes they'll count it because they love counting their money. <laughs> and they'll say, oh my gosh, I have enough to buy the video game that I want, or at least a video game that I want. And it's like, they come up and they tell me this and I go, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. If you would have saved all that money that you spent on candy, you would have that video game right now. Was the candy worth it? And I'll ask them that. Like genuinely, I want to know what they think. And the answer has been, no, it wasn't worth it. <laughs> and I think that's pretty entertaining to a point. Uh, not because I want to see them be miserable, but because that's one of those, you know, eye-opening moments like, oh my gosh, I spent all my money on candy and I could have had the video game as I sit here right now. So we allow them to feel the pain, which is the consequences of their decisions. And hopefully at that point, a lesson is learned. If not, they're going to have to learn it again when the stakes are higher because as you get older, it gets higher. Again, no parental rescue, rescuing. We're not going to buy them their candy unless it's a special occasion. Uh, and we're not going to rescue them and just buy the video game either. Now we do buy stuff, of course, that they want on birthdays and Christmas and stuff like that. But this is, we're not just going to go up and say, oh, they really want it. That's where the lessons are learned. Now contrast that to parents who rescue the children and don't allow them to learn any of those lessons early on. The stakes get higher. If they were to learn that as a teenager, you know, they're working a job and they have a lot of money and then they just go over and waste it away and the parents don't rescue them when they're a teenager now. That lesson's a little bit harder, right? They they worked hard for that money. Not that the kids don't work hard for their money now, but the stakes go up. You know, maybe it affects not being able to get a car or maybe not being able to go on that trip. These are bigger things. Uh, keep pushing that and you say, well, if they didn't learn it at 15, they'll learn it at 25. They're out of the parents' house and now they're, geez, you could just imagine all the mistakes that can happen at 25 or even think back about your life, about all the mistakes you made when you were 25. But the stakes are up. You're going to maybe lose the car that you had payments on because you didn't know how to manage your finances. You, uh, get kicked out of your apartment and you're on the street. These are big lessons. Go to 35 and the stakes might even be higher where now I have a, uh, you know, a spouse and children who depend on me and I'm making horrible financial decisions and it puts out my whole family on the street. You see how the stakes just continue to go up. My goal is to make those lessons, allow those lessons to be learned. They're going to have to be learned 
oftentimes through consequences if they're not listening, allow those lessons to be learned as safely as possible, which happens in my house where there's a safety net. Like I'm not going to let them crash and burn, but I'm going to allow them to feel the pain, but only enough pain to where they learn their lesson. And that's very easily done when they're young, but much harder as they get older. Along the way, I also emphasize that, again, they can learn the easy way, which is from others, or the hard way. And oftentimes their ears are wide open after they learn learn one of the hard lessons and they really hear what you're saying and it establishes you again as that guide where you can walk along with them, love them along the way, not be in charge of their lives, but walk with them and allow them to feel the full weight of their decisions. And then that's what builds responsibility. It's because they know that their decisions affect their life. And that's difficult to get that balance, but uh, worth it, I think, because they're going to have to learn that lesson either way. I didn't make the rules, but I certainly am going to try and set them up for success within the rules that I know happen. And the rule is they will be out on their own making their decisions. Do you want them to have a safety net or not? It's up to you. You just got to pick and choose, do what you think's best. Moving on, the third pillar of intentional in schooling is this is going to catch a lot of you off guard, but pursuing dreams during home during home education. I'm going to say it again, pursuing dreams during home education. I fully believe that children learn best and they don't even know it from modeling. Someone modeled it for them. Okay, so what I say in my life is I want to be a model of success for them in any way that's important for life. Like I want them to have a fulfilling life. (laughs) And, uh, you know, this is difficult to do. I mean, I'm still learning it. You're probably still learning it. uh, But we have to attempt it. We have to try. And they're going to be doing that as they grow. Um. But it's going to be a lot easier if they had someone who's already figured some stuff out and they can just mimic you. I do believe parents are the main models for children and I take this very seriously. So in this case, what's good for me, like truly good for me, is good for them. So all the parents out there who are sacrificing their entire life for their children, is that really how you want your children to Is that really what you want to model for your children where it's just all about sacrifice? Now I am fully about sacrificing myself, but to the point where it's detrimental to me, where I'm not able to show up for my kids, for example, let's, let's, let's think about this just for a second, because I know some of you are going to completely write me off on this, but let's say I go over and put my kid in the very best school and just because I'm, I'm, I know I'm talking to unschoolers here, but let's just say hypothetically, I'm putting my kids in the very best school. I am buying the biggest house in the best neighborhood. Um, I am taking my family on trips to Disney. We have nice cars that are safety focused and reliable and all that stuff. And we also have the finest food and whatever else it might be all in the name of our family to set us up for whatever, right? Success, right? But we're, we're, but I'm working 80 hours a week to do this. And then my wife is working 60 hours a week. Plus she's taking care of the kids. 
and I never get to build a relationship with my family. And then at the end of it, the, the kids leave the house and me and my wife say, hey, good job, but we don't even know each other anymore. And we kind of forgot who we were along the way as well. And we don't have any friends. Uh, but we got the big house and we got the nice cars and we ate the best food and we went on the family trips to Disney or wherever. It's super expensive and supposedly the best trips. I mean, is that really worth it? Or should we maybe be working on our own relationship with with our creator and taking time to ourselves to figure out ourselves and learning how to set our own boundaries, even with our children and our spouse. That's say that requires saying no and getting some alone time at times. Uh, maybe, maybe it's more than that. Maybe it's, I take time for myself doing physical exercise and I have friends and those friendships are a priority to me. And, I spend time on my marriage. I get to know my wife by spending uh, a little bit of time each day just chatting with her, going for a walk, or maybe in the evening playing a, a game of cards or a board game or something like that, just having a little bit of fun. Or spending time with my family on a regular basis. And to do that, I'm going to downsize the house. To do that, I'm going to not have the nicest car. And maybe I sacrifice some of the uh, luxury within it. And I, of course, want still want a safe car. I know I mentioned that. But... You know, maybe I don't have the safest car, but it's safe enough. You know, we're not, I just remember when I was looking at cribs, gosh, they really sell you on that safety thing. And it's like the difference between the super expensive crib and the affordable crib that's higher end is hugely different, but you don't get that much more safety. It was the weirdest thing. And I'm looking at that going, wow, I'm going to spend three times as much on the safest crib. And it's not that much safer than the high-end crib that's just a 0.01 less safe on a, on a, a 10 out of a scale of 10. Anyways, I digress. Uh, my point is, do you think that's good for your children going over and working all those hours and trying to provide for their family and sacrificing everything in the name of the betterment of the family? Or are you really working against yourself? Truly, think about it. Right now, your life. Do you, is it, are they going to, are you at the end of the day going to go over and say, I'm glad I had the 2,800 square foot house because gosh, if we were in a 2,000 square foot house, you know, it would have been over. I don't think you're going to say that personally. At least I wouldn't say that. I would never say, yeah, I sacrificed that 800 square feet so I could be at home with my family, so I could go for a walk with my wife, so I could focus on myself, I could get to know myself better. When I'm an empty nester, I actually have a relationship with my wife and I actually know what I want to do and I'm gonna, where I'm going to invest that extra time. I think that's really a it's really a better life for our children to model. I want that, that for them. It helps me and it helps them. I chase a fulfilling career. Some way that I can actually provide value to someone else, not just clock in and clock out. Because I think I will have less stress at the end of it. And I want my kids to model that same thing. I don't want them to go, oh, just got to work Monday through Friday and live for the weekends. It's like, man, you spend most of your life, like most of your awake life at work. And you're going to spend it miserably in the name of what? I, I just don't think sacrificing date nights for 800 square feet is worth it. 
Anyways, I'll, I'll get off the soapbox with that. In summary, pursuing your dreams uh, during home education, again, I don't think they're like, you're going to have seasons, guys, where you have to go, well, right now, guess what? It's time to go hit the grindstone and I'm going to knock out 80 hour work weeks to set us up for success in the future. I think there's times for that, but I think as a, a routine, sacrificing parts of your life for an elongated period of, t- period of time that destroys parts of you and your family in the name of something that isn't even that's material or maybe not even needed. I don't, I don't think it's worth it. I believe we should have a more fulfilling life that is well-rounded. So our kids will have a more fulfilling life that's well-rounded because we modeled it for them and they saw that it can be done. And we have to figure that out to be able to do that. So I hope I made a good argument for pursuing your dreams during home education. I don't think everything should be on hold perpetually. I think at some point we have to make a decision that we're important too. And not just we're important, but we're important because our kids are important. Because they're going to be us one day looking at us and saying, did they do it the right way? All right, off my soapbox. In conclusion of today's episode... Intentional in-schooling fuses self-directed learning, interest-based learning, and active parental support with early self-awareness, holistic educational strategies, and the pursuit of personal dreams to provide a balanced, comprehensive, and future-ready home education. So with that, stay curious, stay in-schooled, and stay away from the algebra nightmares. Catch you in the next episode. So here's where we roll up our sleeves and bring out the big guns. If you support our mission, then please leave a review. On Unschooled Unleashed, we are talking about using a radical approach to education in today's world. And the more five-star reviews we have, the more people will feel comfortable with the ideas, strategies, and principles we discuss. It gives legitimacy to our message, and the podcast's algorithm prioritizes us so we can reach more people. You may even have your five-star review read on our podcast. Before I let you go, I have to pause and say this from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Your presence here is the fuel that ignites this movement. I am incredibly moved that you trust in us enough to click play. You, my friends, are the caped heroes in this story, the guardians of your family's learning journey, and a beacon of hope for your community. Be bold. Do what you think is best for you and your family. Thanks again for tuning in and taking this courageously outside of the box for this educational revolution. Welcome to the front line.